What have I to fear? The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Yes. I've met them. It burns you to have come so close. To have the Tesseract. To have power. Unlimited. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. I got everything. Well, let me know if real power wants a magazine or something. And what is up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You are listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of TrekSounds.com. This is episode 46, and episode 46 is dedicated to the Avengers. And on the line tonight, we have a packed house. Marius Massilar in Canada. How are you, Marius? I'm great. Awesome. Richard Buxton in the UK. How are you, Richard? Hey, I'm good, thank you. Awesome. And Edmund, Edmund Minerts as well. Are you in the UK or are you still traveling around the world? I'm in Wales, but only You're for in Wales. only for a couple more weeks and then go home for the summer. Uh, Germany? Yes, and then America. Oh, I didn't know America as well. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you guys on tonight, a special night, Sunday night, and we're also broadcasting live for the first time ever on live stream. Uh, and the reason we're broadcasting live, it's kind of a test. We've gotten quite a few um, nudges over the last weeks of, of, of folks who want to participate. And so we wanted to open up to uh, a chat room and let people listen as we talk and give their two cents while we are doing our thing. Um, so we are live right now at livestream.com slash soundcast. If you've missed it and you're listening to the recording and you'd like to go back later, uh, you can find it there. Of course, you'll find the, the, the final polished edited version um, in our normal podcast stream as well. Joining us tonight is a special guest, Alex Billington, the founder and owner and runner and master of all things firstshowing.net. Alex, welcome to the Soundcast. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me, as always. Oh, it's great to have you back on. Um, I thought of I thought of you when 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 we decided, hey, we're gonna we're gonna tackle the Avenger, Avengers and we're gonna tackle it good. Uh, and I thought, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, Alex has been kind of um, saying what he what you've what you've been able to say over the last couple of weeks, and so. Uh, I thought you might have a good bit to share. So um, we're going to hit the Avengers, like I said, hard and heavy. The movie itself, maybe giving the movie a little bit more discussion time than we normally would on a podcast, which is dedicated to film music. Um, and we're, of course, going to hit the the score as well. Uh, so I want to make sure we have plenty of time for that so that we don't have a two-hour show as we did the last time, which almost killed me uh, to edit. But uh, but we did get a lot of feedback from that from that particular episode, which is forty five, where we tackled the nineties and that incredible decade. Um, and there was a lot of response on Twitter, some on Facebook, and a couple of posts um, in on the blog and some emails. But there's one that I just wanted to to read out uh, and just kind of bounce it around um, from Walter Kellenberger, and he says. In, the, in his post, Why No Star Trek Love, the score for Star, Star Trek VI by Cliff Eidelman could have at least had a mention. Seriously, I do realize that there are a lot of good scores that came out in the 90s. I can respect that score. Wait, 
I can respect that score for not being up there. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, however, even the score for Total Recall was at least mentioned. I would say that I'd never listen to your podcast again, but that would be a lie. Keep up the good work. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's nice and, nice and honest. Um, Walter, thank you for posting. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't really mention any Star Trek scores from the 90s that I, that I can recall us mentioning. Um, and I did reply and just say, hey, it was, uh, there was probably 20 scores we all didn't mention. Um, of our own personal faves. But um, let's see. I think everyone, Mary, she was there. Edmund, Richard, you were all on, on that one as well. Yep. We were, Star yep. Trek, did that come up anywhere for you guys? I thought we spoke about First Contact at one point. But did we? I don't know. I, I seem, seem to recall to we mentioned, I seem to recall we at least mentioned it, but um, either way, I don't feel bad not mentioning them because... Um, at least for me, by by comparison to the kinds of scores that we did mention for the '90s, those ones just aren't aren't there. I mean, they're they're excellent scores, maybe compared to some of what's coming out today. But in the '90s, they just weren't remarkable. I I don't know. Maybe I need to spend more time with them. But I sorry, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cliff Ottoman's score is pretty fantastic. I mean, it does. It, I mean, it's. I shouldn't say fantastic. It is good. But, I mean, we're talking the 90s here. Um, and we're talking have... Star Trek themes, which... <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's different, which is, you know, refreshing that it wasn't more of just the same. Although, you know, it's hard to say that when you're talking about Jerry Goldsmith stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it is one of the unique, if you can, if that's a fair phrase to say, it's one of the more unique Star Trek film scores. So... Um, yeah, you know, we can give Cliff Eidelman some props. Uh, that was really a call out of nowhere to have him do that score. Yeah, that score uh, slipped my mind. Yeah. I think I might have at least given it a mention if I had remembered it. Yeah. But it would have been, well, yeah, been worth mentioning just because Eidelman himself is so underrated. Yeah. And hasn't gotten yeah. many big assignments since that, which is a shame. Yeah. You would have thought that someone else would have... Uh heard that and said hey i want you to score my you know sci-fi movie or something um but he's been more relegated to the romantic comedy or drama sort of genre um yeah but you know after that so many people uh, sent so many different scores from the 90s i mean i don't know i don't know if it's just our age or what but um i i am pretty much convinced that it's the best decade ever i mean one person argued for the 80s uh well they said from i think they said 85 to 95 or 75 to 85 was the best decade i said no 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 you can't do that you gotta you gotta take it as a block um alex what about you what is your favorite film music what decade this decade does it come oh from? man you throw me on the spot here i was now i was just trying to well i was just trying to think i was like well what's in the 90s what's in the 80s I mean, there are a lot of, I guess I would admit, 90s scores that, like, are the foundation of why I love scores so much. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, there's good, there's good from all, all over there, different areas. I can't choose one. <laughs> choose one. Yeah. Well, that means you didn't listen to our two-hour podcast on the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> that is true, unfortunately, but That's I will okay. be listening to that. <laughs> well, actually, we've done 70s, 80s, and 90s so far. Okay. Um, and I, I think, though, going forward, that while well, we only have one more decade in full to do, yeah. I don't think it'll be two hours long, put it that way. Um, 
I'm just surprised that you guys determined the 90s was the best. Like, I wouldn't have thought the 90s is the best of anything, but if it's the best of scores. <laughs> well, the vol- it's just the volume. I mean, it was, it was very – we did two hours, and there were so many, as, as the response yeah. that we got indicated, there were so many scores we didn't talk about um, that should have been. But, I mean, we'd be still talking right now about the 90s if we wanted to hit every mentionable track. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty convinced that, that the 90s, as much as I love the 70s, <laughs> uh, just just may very well be the best uh, in, t- in terms of volume and quanti- quality together. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what about the rest of you guys? Did you, have you thought more about it since we done we did that podcast? I guess um, it was no. <laughs> well, um, I think the 90s were definitely a good year. Um, I think they sort of built on what was established in the late 70s and the 80s and yeah. sort of took it to its zenith. And then in the 2000s, it's been kind of moving away from that big, glorious orchestral sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure whether, where I'd put the actual peak because to call the 90s the best year, I think... Um, the best decade that any single film composer has had is John Williams in the 1980s, and that's pretty hard to dismiss. Yeah. But but check it though. I mean, you've got Williams. He's still. I th- I still say he's in, he's peaking in the in the early 90s anyway. You've got Horner, who may be peaking in the who was peaking in the 90s. I'll say that. To be honest, I like Horner more in the 80s than the 90s. Okay, all right. Uh, I can hear that. But but still, pretty good. Even if you don't say the 90s was his peak. Um, he was good. Say '90s is pretty good. He was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You've got John Barry still around, and he's doing he's doing his thing. Hans Zimmer is starting to peak, and so is uh, David Arnold. David Arnold, don't forget him, okay. Christopher. Okay, yes, David <laughs> Arnold is starting to peak. Sorry, um, you got Patrick Doyle. I mean, you've got the old guard. You got Jerry Goldsmith. You've got Elmer Bernstein, who's still around and doing his thing. I mean, it's just like you've got the old guard and the new guard mixing together. Ah man, I, you know the '80s. You didn't have some of these guys around yet. It's true. And, and Thomas Newman wasn't what, there yet. And... Yeah. Oh, um, so that's I. I don't know. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that the '90s was the was the um, was the best decade. You do got Citizen Radio in the uh, in the chat saying '80s. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, Eric Woods. Um, Maybe so, Eric, but um, you had your chance to express that on the show. <laughs> um, so thank you all for all the feedback on our 90s episode. That It was quite uh, interesting to hear the titles and read the titles you guys thought were definitely worth mentioning, representing that decade. It's one we'll have to revisit again, I think, to, do, to really do it justice, but not anytime uh, soon. <laughs> um, so, of course... We always love to hear from our listeners. In fact, tonight, as we mentioned already, we do have a chat room going on. People are starting to filter in, which is awesome. But you can also contact us. Let us know what, you're, what you've been um, listening to yourself. Oh, before I get to that, we were going to eliminate this segment tonight. But Alex Billington from FirstShowing.net <laughs> has a title that he's been listening to that he wanted to bring up. So, Alex, what is your... Yes. Title of the week. Well, um, this is perfect to as we're leading into the summer because one movie that I think I know everyone else is excited for as well as myself, like I'm super excited for this movie, is uh, Prometheus. And um, one of the oh, reasons, 
<laughs> one of the reasons I'm particularly excited for it, and one of the like elements that made me go crazy for it is they released this trailer. It was a UK trailer, and it had completely different score music to it than we'd heard in any other trailer so far. And I was really intrigued. Like, what is this music? It's awesome. I, I was hoping it was either part of the film or something like that. Um, I was reading the comments on my own site one day, and someone had mentioned, oh, this is one track from it. I went to go grab that track and start listening to it, and I found this guy's entire album, and it's a German composer named Max Richter, and uh, his album is called Memory House, and it was uh, released in 2002, and it's, like, this is from his Wikipedia, it's his solo debut experimental album of documentary music. But there, the two tracks in it are the actual tracks that they use in the Prometheus trailer. And they're sort of these, like, really orchestral, really, like, moody, just takes you on a journey through the music kind of tracks. And I've just been sort of listening to them on repeat a lot because they're really incredible. And I have to thank Ridley Scott for finding them, putting them in the trailer to begin with. Because they fit for the trailer, they really sort of add to the mood of the trailer. And then as solo pieces on their own, they're just incredible to listen to. And I have no idea who this guy is. Like, I've never heard of Max Richter before this. I've heard the name, but I can't, I, I associate nothing, no specific music with yeah. it. My first question, though, is to you is, is, is that music only in the UK trailer? Um, no, I think, I think it's actually the, see, that was the thing is, one of the pieces I knew, like, I could quickly identify, like, I'm, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is in this trailer. Then I found out there was another track from the same album that was also being used in the trailers, and I think it's the same track. And then what they do is just sort of manipulate it so it sounds a bit different and the tempo works with sort of like the way the pacing of the trailer is going. Mm-hmm. So I think there's the same track, as far as I can remember, that's being used in a couple of the trailers. But I, I haven't heard it elsewhere. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Now, Richard or Edmund, uh, have you seen the trailer of which he speaks and recognize the music of I saw a trailer for Prometheus before Avengers last weekend, but it was it was it was more of a teaser than a trailer. And the only music I took note of in it was very generic Inception low brass. Mm-hmm. That's all I noticed <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah, that's the same thing I've noticed. Is, which is, is it along which that is line starting to make me roll my eyes every time I hear it? By the way, <laughs> no, no, no. That's... Go- that's what the interesting thing about this is it's one of those situations where I think they're taking an original like orchestral track and then they're sort of like manipulating it for the trailer in a way to make it sound more electronic and to make it sound more Tron like I'm sure I'm sure that's literally their discretion their discussion but it's the the actual work that you could listen to from his album is different than what you're hearing in the trailers but it's still it's obviously the same exact song Mm. Yeah, I don't think I saw the same trailer as you, though, because this one was literally less than a minute long. Yeah, it would have been the UK one. Um, it was released, like, in March at some point, if you want to watch it. but hmm. Okay. And the, and the composer's name is Max Richter. Yeah. And the, and the album name was Memory what? Memory House. House. Yeah. Memory House. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. We, will, we, will, we will go and check that out, I think. Um. Well, we're going to move it on unless someone has another title you're dying to talk about. Uh, I'll just say I've been listening to all of the precursor um, Avenger scores uh, <laughs> leading up to our discussion tonight, uh, which has actually been quite interesting and fun, to be honest. Um, I, you forget a lot. I forgot a lot. 
of uh, of the detail of some of those scores. So it was actually interesting going back through and um, building up my anticipation a little bit more for the film and, and, and for the music as well, although I've heard the music. Uh, and we're going to be talking about that in great depth. But anyone else, any other titles before we move it along? Nope. All right. Okay. Uh, so that's going to do it for our abbreviated What Have You Been Listening To segment tonight. Um, sponsored by Alex Billington and Max Richter. Uh, we want to hear what you've been listening to, and you can let us know, of course, by emailing us at soundcast at tracksounds.com, or you can tweet at us at tracksounds. And somehow my phone number is not listed where it should be. So no phone number tonight, guys, no voicemail. Next time we'll give you that, or listen to another episode, you can get that phone number, or just go to the site. You'll find it there. Uh, we do like to know what you've been listening to because you listen to some interesting things that we've never listened to before. Uh, so we do love getting that feedback from you as well. Of course, and I never mention it, but we are on Facebook. So if you go to facebook.com slash track sounds, you can find us there as well, and you can feel free to post um, your thoughts and comments and criticisms if you like on our Facebook page as well. That's going to move us on to our main juicy topic of the night. And we're talking juicy juice, juicy. (laughs) Um, The movie the world is talking about right now. And... uh, uh, well, especially now that it's released in the rest of the world. Um, the Avengers came out on Friday. And I think every one of us saw it around Friday, if not before. Now, when did it come out in the UK, guys, Edmund and Richard? A week before that. Oh, just a week. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you've, you've had a week to marinate on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so us American, well, did it, it came out in Canada as well, yesterday, uh, Friday as well, right, Marius? Yep. But Alex, of course, being the Los Angeles-based film critic that he is, has been sitting upon his knowledge and experience of the Avengers for quite some time. (laughs) And we're not going to hold that against him tonight. Um, (laughs) But I think you all have even... uh, That gives you even a a, a more interesting perspective on the the movie and the music because you've had to sit with it for so long. So as we go forward tonight, we're going to talk about the movie. Just our general reaction to the movie as a whole without getting too spoilery. If there's something that is spoiler that you want to talk about, we will save that for a spoiler talk section. And then we'll get into the, the nitty-gritty of the music after that. So, um, Alex, let's start with you. You saw this back in April, you say. Um, what? And you've seen it again since. Yeah. Uh, how, what was your initial experience like and then having to sit on it for a month <laughs> well yeah you, you we were talking about this beforehand and i had to I had to mention something about it because it's it's one of the worst yet interesting and awesome experiences to see a film so early and then sit on it for three weeks where like you can talk about it um, talk about it with people who've seen it but no one else and and with a film like avengers where i thought it was awesome uh, i just wanted to talk about it with everyone and that's the worst part about it is you're just sitting there being like i want to tell you about this awesome moment where hulk goes crazy and smashes and does this but you're like i can't i can't. you know like i have to hold back but i want to you know at least i can tell you it's good and go see it but like 
it, it sucks being that far out. But no, I, I saw it once like a couple weeks ago. I think it was like mid- early April's the first time we saw it. And then I went to the midnight shows because I had to see it again. Um, and the midnight show, like I love going to the midnight shows because my audience, and I'm sure it was the same with you guys if you went to an opening night, they were cheering every 10 minutes for like the last <laughs> entire fight. And that's the best part about it is like, being there with a truly geeked out audience who is loving and eating up every single second, every single like fight, because that's the best part about it. I will say right now, and I'm curious to hear if you guys all agree, but Avengers delivers to me. Like it, I was worried, so worried that Whedon was going to mess up, or there wasn't going to have enough of this, or there was going to be too much of that. Yet it just like delivers on all fronts and all action. Like you get enough of this guy, you get enough of this guy, and it's just fun as hell and entertaining. So that's my start. <laughs> So why did you? Why were you so afraid that Whedon was going to mess up? Um, because okay, look. To be honest, I'm not the biggest Whedon fan. Okay. And <laughs> I look. I love Firefly and I love Serenity, but when you think about it, Whedon before now has only directed one film, and while it's good, it's like can he handle a hugely budgeted, you know, ten ensemble characters, a couple of which are like crazy personality can you even wrangle them if you're a director to begin with style and then like can you bring all that together and actually deliver a movie that's entertaining and like brings all the Avengers together in a way that isn't a mess that was my concern okay okay I guess that's a fair criticism I mean he hasn't done I mean who has done something like this before no one yeah um so yeah so I, I I guess I could see that concern um uh, Marius, what was your what was your what are your what's your general reaction to the to the film? Well, I guess the best way to say it is that my reaction to the film was that it was exactly what I was expecting it to be. Um, <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have like any wild expectations. I didn't have. Uh, I mean, those of you who've been listening for a while know that I'm kind of getting increasingly ill at the thought of more superhero films. So I can't say I was thrilled um, about the Avengers, except that um, I thought, okay, with Whedon at the helm and his quirky little sense of humor and with some of the characters that I I really liked from the individual films, I thought, okay, it can't go too far wrong. And either way, it's going to be wildly entertaining. Um, And that's exactly what I got. I mean, I was incredibly entertained it was a very fun film to watch um like alex was saying the audience um for me as well was very much into it and uh to the point of costumes with some of them that was charming (laughs) um was this midnight or not midnight it actually wasn't it was a saturday morning okay (laughs) saturday morning they still dressed up (laughs) yeah i mean these guys are dedicated go canada um (laughs) But anyhow, so so it was uh, it was great. I mean, I cannot say that I didn't enjoy it, but I can also say that um, I, I guess I was a little let down when they set up for a sequel at the end <laughs> because I was like, you were surprised by a sequel. I wasn't coming? surprised. No, 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 I wasn't surprised. <laughs> but I was like, okay. oh, that yeah, that oh, okay. We're not done here yet. <laughs> we're not finished yet. We're Never. still fascinated. No. They're just getting started, my friend. <laughs> Uh, um, Richard, what was your general? Now you've seen it a week ago, right? Uh, About a week ago, I saw it last Wednesday. Oh, just last yeah. Wednesday. Okay, so it's semi-fresh. What was your general reaction? To uh, it? It's cool. Um, wow. I I liked it, but uh, I think it took a long time to get interesting. I thought the first yeah. half was pretty dull, to be honest mm. with you. Uh, mm. 
And I think it could have done without Jeremy Renner and Scarlett Johansson entirely. I think they were pointless, really. Yeah. Whereas uh, <laughs> you could have had more with the Hulk or Thor. I kind of think they got screwed a bit, to be honest. Um, I mean, I preferred... I think I've said this before, but I preferred Eric Banner as the Hulk in Ang Lee's one. But I do prefer Mark Ruffalo to Edward Norton, and I think he didn't get enough time to really make the character his in this mm. one. But I guess he's on for like six more films, so... He'll have time. I, I think that's cameos as well. So maybe have a couple. Oh, of wow. I had not heard that. That's amazing. Yeah. So, spo- never mind. Um, Edmund, what was your general <laughs> reaction? Very, very fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw it last Saturday. So I think first, other than Alex. <laughs> <laughs> first. Yay. <laughs> Second. And, yeah, I mean, I was... It, it was, um, like Maria said, pretty much exactly what I expected it to be. Uh, no more, but certainly no less. You know, hmm. I didn't. I um, I did think that it did about as good a job as can be reasonably expected, balancing the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you've got an ensemble cast like that, obviously, if you have favorites and they don't get as much screen time as as they did in their own movies, that's to be expected. And right. considering how many how many ultra super cool characters they were up there they did they did pretty well balancing them out um okay i think if any if anyone got the short shaft i thought maybe thor didn't get quite as much time as i would have liked but um yes and and, uh i i liked hawkeye i wasn't the biggest fan of black widow i thought i mean i mean mostly i was trying to figure out what's her power she can do martial arts so (laughs) (laughs) he's a giant green guy Yeah, yeah. The, the she has the power of, of the reverse, the reverse um, interrogation. Not everybody can pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, that's cool. But I, th- uh, I think it was the best of the recent Marvel movies, tied with Iron Man One. Yeah, hmm. that's how okay. I tied. You say tied, huh? Tied with Iron Man yeah, One. Yes. Okay. Iron Man One is such a good movie. I that's what I feel like. I agree with you guys. A lot of people are saying that kind of like valuation of it, and I agree because Iron Man One is so damn good. And like, if you went back and watched it right now, you would be like, "That's that's really that's on the level of Avengers." Like Avengers doesn't inch inch away. Uh oh, you're dissension. Well, I've just done that, (laughs) and I I, yeah, I have this. Well, you know what? I was going to disagree, but. Uh, well, let me uh, let me just give my general reaction I, on Avengers. Um, after after being kind of just basically satisfied with Thor and Captain America, um, not satisfied with Iron Man two. Uh, going in, I was kind of like, I, I want to see this happen. I want to see I want to see someone do this because um, conceptually. You know, when we first heard about what they were going to do, that's pretty amazing. You know, just the thought that we're going to do all of these films and then we're going to pull them all together into one big, massive, crazy film. That's just I just love thinking about that. And um, to see it happen is, you know, is, is something special. I mean, maybe you'll see more of it now, but somebody had to be first. And these guys were first other than maybe the Expendables. But, you know, these are all kind of uh, guys on the far downside of their careers <laughs> for the most part although back in the 80s and 90s if you would have told me this movie would have been made the expendables i would have lost my mind um so 
outside of the Expendables, this is, I think, just such a great idea. And for someone to actually do it, just that in of itself is is kudo worthy to me. Now, my reaction to the film was like you guys. It was so much fun. And I can't say that I ha- have fun at the movies all that often. Um, and that's because the writing was 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 great. I mean, the dialogue and the banter and all that was just was amazing. Um, I think I agree with you, Richard, in saying it didn't uh, the first half. I don't know if I say the first half, but at least the the opening sequence did not engage me at all. I was like, what is I don't what is happening here? I don't care about this stuff. Um, But I think I know what Whedon was doing. And he was he was building things up and, and he does exercise restraint. I think some of the things like the whole that some of you are mentioning, you know, not getting enough screen time. I, I like that they were that he kept some of these guys under restraint and it wasn't he was the big kind of reveal. He was kind of the big the last we're going to show you because he's the big green guy. And and I liked that. I liked sitting there wanting. Come on, give us the hope. Give us the hope. Give us the hope. Give us the hope. I liked wanting that. And then when he delivered it, he delivered it. Uh, so I thought the writing was 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 pretty doggone good. Now, of course, the basic plot was kind of like, meh, you know, we, we've, we've kind of seen this sort of thing done in different ways many times. But it was really about getting these superheroes together. That's what this movie was about, regardless of the plot. It was how are they gonna? How are you gonna get these guys together to work together? Um, and so that's something I really enjoyed. Um, and then, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, Iron Man sequence. Yeah, Iron Man. That's right, Iron Man. Um, yeah, I went back and watched Iron Man, and I still do love that movie. But it's about it's all about um, Tony Stark. He drives that film. But the end, and I can say the same to some degree with the Avengers. The end, the climactic scene at the end. It well, no, I can't say that about the Avengers. The cl- the climactic scene in Iron Man is very underwhelming. Yeah. I mean, after you had a really great movie that just built and built and built, the final battle is was a letdown, and and remains a letdown to this day. Um, where I I can't say that about the Avengers climax. So I would say they were the same in quality up until you get to the end, and and then the Avengers takes the lead there. Um, what else? Non spoilery. What else did you guys um, like about? Well, it? You, one of the things you mentioned that I think Whedon does so well in this movie is the comedy and the humor, and it makes it, yeah. it like it makes all of those characters you've talked about just sort of work so well and play so well together in that world, like. Yes. Even just just the just the lines like the one liners in the middle of fights, and then like yes. the way I love how Whedon sets up his jokes. Like he builds and builds and builds, and then it's like not just one scene, and then pay it off. Like the ten dollar bet joke, um, like the yeah. <laughs> like all those kind of things that play more than one moment and that play like the whole movie because he's just really good at building the, that kind of like character dynamic that just leads to great humor, and I, I think that made it so enjoyable so fun like it it, without that it wouldn't have been the same by any means it wouldn't have been as entertaining as it was and like i think we would have started to question how it like how long is how is it two and a half hours if there weren't as much humor to as like the levity of it just because when you think about it you're like this is a really long movie and yet you never really get too concerned about the length of it like you're just sort of along for the ride of it and it takes you where it goes yeah I, I 100% agree with that. Um, I, I think humor 
getting humor right is is a key thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at our appreciation of Iron Man, you look at our appreciation of the Avengers. That humor, it without it, it becomes you know pretty. Mm, uh, it just becomes average. Yeah. There's it, there's something that's you lose a lot, which I didn't realize until this movie. Was like, you know what? Humor is really important if you're going for the kind of films that that Marvel is, as opposed to you know DC with with uh, the Batman series. That's they're not playing that for laughs. They're playing that for <laughs> this is dramatic um, action, not not whimsical, humorous action as Marvel's doing. But did you um, notice that, that uh, not to tangent, but did you notice in the last Dark Knight Rises trailer that they now end on a joke note? Like, they play that joke, and I'm wondering if they're thinking to themselves, like, oh, maybe we'll get a better audience if we play the humor, but sorry, oh, that was... no, I hope not. Yeah, I know, well, I know, but... First of all, I totally forgot, because I'm trying, you know, I've stayed away from the last two Prometheus trailers. I've stayed away from the Dark Knight trailer stayed away from spider-man even though not because i didn't want to be spoiled by it like these other ones i just stayed away from it because i didn't think i was going to care about it but i didn't think about that going in the theater that i was going to see all of those trailers and i was like oh gosh i'm just all my hard work is just out the door so i saw all of them um but i'll say this now it only because i know i'm going to see prometheus i know i'm going to see what was the other one i just mentioned dark Knight rises Dark Knight. I'm going to see that, so I don't need to see any more. I don't want to ruin my experience. So those were out. Now, Spider-Man, I know we're tangenting here a little bit. Um, I wasn't planning on seeing that anytime soon. <laughs> but that trailer actually changed my mind. Yes, I was like, this, this looks okay. This might be, this might be fun. Um, it doesn't look like a total rehash. Um, it actually looks better than any of the last. The last three looked like cartoons, and this looked a little better. So I was actually that actually changed my mind on that. So um, yeah, uh, but I don't I don't remember the joke at the end of Dark Knight Rises trailer, and I'm glad because that's not what <laughs> we're going to see that yeah. movie for. Um, Speaking of trailers, I have a little anecdote from my from my experience watching um, the Avengers in the cinema last Saturday. Um, uh-huh. Before the film, they actually showed a little trailer for the movie I was about to watch, which I thought was interesting. It's not really a trailer. Yeah, for the Avengers. It was more a little sort of assembly of little interview clips and oh, some uh... some footage. And the music they were using in the background of that was James Newton Howard's Green Lantern theme. What? I know. <laughs> Wait, first of all, how did you even recognize that? Have you listened to it enough to recognize it? Um... It's catchy. It's just five notes, so I couldn't tell you but, what it was. Yeah, it, I mean, it took me a bit. Also, the fact that it's a ripoff of Jerry Goldsmith's theme from Executive Decision helps. But, oh, but, I um, don't remember it. yeah, I just thought that was first of all that you know what an underwhelming choice of trailer music, and second of all, that's <laughs> DC in an Avengers preview. DC music. It's you know, it's marketing people. I just thought what that was. You know? funny I, I do wonder how how that got in there like who who was like oh this is great music to put in here this yeah here's a super he's one of the avengers right <laughs> we can put his theme in there <laughs> uh very funny a- any other points non-spoilery points that you'd like to make okay. good or bad i was did we lose someone i don't think so I haven't heard from richard <laughs> uh i'm here there he is oh, there. I, it went okay. up for a second but yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was very impressed with the final action scene in Avengers, like you said, Christopher. Um, it's been a while since a massive action scene like that has been shot so clearly. 
Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. compared to the last thing I saw in cinemas, which was Hunger Games, which is shaking the camera left, right, up, down, sideways, <laughs> spinning in circles, God knows what. It was just such a relief. Yeah. Here's here's the million dollar question, because I love this. I love the Avengers final sequence too. But do you like the Transformers Dark of the Moon sequence better? The whole forty five oh minute ending. Because because the, there's oh. be, there's a lot of comparisons being thrown around now. Like oh, they do the same sort of thing. They sort of lead to this giant city alien battle. Which is, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me are, let me point out the difference. I think you can compare the two. Let me point out the difference to you. The difference is that. You always know which Avenger is fighting, and they have their they have their separate fighting styles. I mean, yeah. Thor and the Hulk fight completely differently. But when you've got forty five minutes of Transformers who all look exactly the same, beating the <laughs> ever loving crap out of each other, uh, well, they're all silver. Yeah. <laughs> Captain America is yeah. blue, Hulk is green, <laughs> Thor has a red cape, Iron Man is in a red suit and is shooting beams everywhere. They're recognizable. <laughs> That's the difference. True, true. And you care about them. Exactly. You actually care That's about them. They are characters. <laughs> the Transformers are not characters. They are robots. Optimus Prime is not- pretty cool, though. Come on. He was cool in the eighties. His voice. Only He's because got the coolest voice only be- in any movie. Only because of the character that he carries with him through all of the yeah. previous <laughs> incarnations. Not because of anything no. they've done, especially in that movie. Now, it did. Now, I, I do have a. I do have a. a a negative, and I am very tired of the com- the climactic battles for these types of movies happening in a city. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just it's very tired. I mean, you bring up the Transformers in that comparison. When I saw that trailer with the the snaky thing coming around the corner, I'm like, oh my gosh! I just saw this in Transformers Three. I never want to see that again. Now, of course, they turn out to be very different kinds of things. But with a two-second shot, you're thinking, why? Why are we seeing this again? But the whole thing, that's one thing that bothers me. Um, Because the first Iron Man kind of had it. The second Iron Man did have it. Um, The Incredible Hulk had it. They all fought in in City, in New York. I think all three in New York. And, And that just starts to get very, very, very old. Um, now, you could rebut and say, well, the first Hulk movie didn't happen that way. You're right. They didn't have a big battle like that, but that was a terrible movie. Um, Captain America, Thor, those didn't have their big battles in a big city, which I'm thankful for. But that I was that disappointed me to some degree in the Avengers in that we've seen this a bazillion times. But now that we've seen and- the best version of it, maybe it's over. We'll try something no, else. No, no, no. I was going to say that it's, uh, it's uh, not uh, over. Uh, uh. What? <laughs> the problem is Hollywood. Hollywood is so they go where the money goes, and sure. and so they see Transformers, and now they're going to look at Avengers, which made two hundred million dollars this weekend, and say, "Here's what works: giant alien it, battles in a city at the end." No, <laughs> I, no. no, I know, I know. We're smart enough for that, but they're not, <laughs> and that's why we keep I, seeing it. Like I can tell you. Obviously, we have Battleship coming up. Battleship, oh but I mean, like, imagine like the, the upcoming. I guarantee you, like, one of next summer's movies is going to be giant alien space battle in a city, and they're going to tease it with more of those like snaky thing coming out of the sky shots again. I swear to God, it's, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This is great, those. guys. This is great. We'll call it Battle LA or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, no, we. I mean, yes, you're right. I mean, they are going to continue to use the same trope because. It has worked. Um, I th- 
and they will probably make X amount of money enough to keep this whole thing going. But uh, I mean, I'm just as great as the Avengers was. I was still finding myself disappointed that the, the, the battle was the same thing we've seen before with a bunch of folks that really they built up. Not at all. It's just like, here they are. Here's the enemies. You know, here are the droids that we don't care about. Here are the Gungans that we don't care about. Here are the now clones that's, that's that we don't shit. care about. Gungans. Wow. <laughs> we don't. I mean, to be honest, I cared more about the Gungans than anybody that, about these guys. I mean, it was like you didn't. They were nothing. They had no buildup throughout the story. It was just like, here they are. Now let's just squash them. You know, it, 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 there was not much of it. Now the big snaky things. Now those were pretty intimidating. But I don't know. It. I'm. I was. I'm just tired of that. That trope that climactic battle in the city we need to come up with something else um you know superman did it dark knight does it it's always it's it's always that and and there must be something else i mean there there has to be something else they can do so if i had to pick a negative that that would be one major negative um for the film yeah i i I'm with you on that, but I, I mean, I, I have other little nitpicky things, and I mean, the one thing I'll say is that uh, as much as I enjoyed it and as fun as it is, I think there are people going around right now being like, best superhero movie ever, and I mean, that's kind of a, yeah, I know that's a ridiculous statement. It's up there. It's up there. No, I know. I mean, okay. it's good, but it's like like best ever. I mean, first off, we get, give us until July to begin with. You know, True. and secondly, well, there's a couple yeah. others that instantly that I can think of that I, I I think are more polished, more you know, perfect films overall in terms of superhero. Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> no, not Wolverine. Oh, just just throwing one out there. Uh, oh, that's my favorite. No. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I I mean, for the the nostalgia in me says Superman because yeah. I was a kid and I was so impacted by yeah. it. But you watch it now and you're like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he flew around the world really fast. And <laughs> hey, I, that was you know that was one of the most amazing scenes. Which I always wondered from that point on. Why don't you just go? And turn I can't believe that scene made it past the first draft of the script. <laughs> Come on, dude, I can't that was believe awesome. it. That's just pure awesomeness. That's just pure awesomeness. But it's like, like the you nuking can do that the fridge for every moment. problem you ever have. <laughs> it's like the nuking the fridge moment from Crystal Skull. It no, just, yes, no way, dude. No, that's it's worse. No, that that's awesomeness. That's awesomeness. Surviving a nuclear blast in a refrigerator is not awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> if you pull it off, I will call you awesome. <laughs> okay. Touche. All right, let's get into some spoilery stuff if you have any points, positive or negative, that is spoilery. All so right. any of you listening right now, uh, you're going to want to tune out for the next 10, 15 minutes. I don't know how long, but just skip ahead because we're talking spoilery stuff at this point, starting right now. One thing from me. The whole second act of the film up on that flying um, aircraft carrier thing, they did a very good job of um, building up the Hulk – 
the possible the possibility of uh, Bruce Banner turning into the Hulk as a threat, and yeah. and they they threatened it several times. And then when he finally did, and um, Black Widow was trapped there, he it was like you know, oh, what's he gonna do? But then, but by the time he arrives at the final battle, he suddenly has control over his Hulk yeah. form. Yeah. yeah, that came. That was yeah. You you've identified the biggest plot hole in the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, that, I, that was the moment I saw it as well. That was my thought too. Was I was like, how did he all of a sudden get to control himself? What you know? And they were playing yeah, it answer, up so much too. And his answer was so weak, like, "Oh, my secret is I'm angry all the time." Like, ah, yeah, uh, that was that was an awesome. Wait line. a minute. <laughs> Better line was Captain America saying, "Hulk smash." Yeah, no, that was also awesome. But it was upsetting because um, Hulk was such a treasure. He was such a. He was so. There was so much potential there for him to do a little bit more development as a character, to have a little bit more really well in that second act. I mean, yeah, and even his and his relationship with um, what's his face with uh, Tony Stark was was something that could have gone a little bit more interesting. And I guess they're leaving some room for the sequel, but still, it was there were a few moments for some of the characters where um, I noticed jumps like like this one, where it was like suddenly. We just skipped ahead a little bit, and yeah. okay, we just, it felt like in the excitement of the moment, it was like, okay, yeah, fine, I'll buy it. But reflecting upon it later, I'm like, hang on, that's not, that's kind of weak. Yeah, so. I guess. It, I mean, yeah, I've he- I've heard that from a number of folks, and and I guess I deg- agree to a degree. I mean, you saw him, you know, lose it once, uh, you know, when they were under attack, but. But it didn't feel like that, like it was that. I mean, it, see how much it took to get him to finally lose it. I mean, you know, here is Tony Stark poking and prodding him and trying to get, which I loved all of that. I thought that was brilliant. And yet he just didn't give in um, at all and seemed to be under control. Um, and then, you know, yeah, maybe it is a little bit of a right turn there when all of a sudden he has control of it. But it didn't bother me that much. It was just like, okay, I mean, you. You know, at some point, he had to have some measure of control. Otherwise, he would just be this random variable who could well, just see, be actually, beating up both the Avengers or the aliens. For, that was the problem That's for me. He it wasn't so much that he was you know, under control of when he turned into the monster, but when we see him on the ship, he falls out of control, and he's trying to kill everyone, including Scarlet. Yeah. He's just yeah. – yeah. he obviously doesn't have – you know he's not aware of of his normal self, and then suddenly when he yeah. turns into the Hulk later on, he's cool. He's got everything. He's he's fine. He's helping them out. I mean, except when he punches yeah. Thor in the face, that was really funny. But <laughs> yeah. that was but great. beyond that, I mean, pretty much he was you know on their side and totally with it, which is not what we were told first of all, but also not what we witnessed when he first went off the uh, um, you know on the ship when he first turn into the Hulk. So that was that was the part that bothered me about it. Not that he didn't have control over when he turned or and then suddenly he did, but I, yeah, it was it was the fact that he suddenly became fully aware while being the Hulk out of nowhere. Yes. Well, I mean, if you go back to the last film at the very last shot of the la- of the of the Incredible Hulk, it already gives you some indication that he has control. If you remember that shot well, yeah, but I mean, I'm just speaking about what we know from the Avengers. Yeah, they show the you in this movie. Well, but how can you take? How can you isolate it from that? I mean, we're we're taking a well, lot from. Apparently, Joss Whedon did. Why would you say? Well, that? because he 
because he builds up the Hulk as a, as a threat and and has Bruce Banner several times say that he would be fully out of control. And then the first time he becomes Hulk, he is fully out of control. And so we yeah, assume like that he, when he, he turns Hulk... Yeah, exactly. Hmm, I guess that's true. I guess that is <laughs> so, true. Yeah, that's the one plot hole that bothered me. It just, did, it just didn't bother me too much. Uh, was like, I wanted to see... I was so happy to see Hulk on screen. I was like, all right, now let's just get to it. You said your line. Now let's see what you can do. And so I was just happy. <laughs> it was just like in control, out of control. Hulk is doing his thing, and now I'm a happy man. Um, but I, but I do hear that point. Uh, any other? I was, I was just gonna chime in along with all this. I was gonna say one of the fundamental like issues that I noticed more the second time around was just uh, Joss Whedon's editing. It almost like I would almost say it was TV style editing in a sense where, and the reason I'm mentioning this in relation to everything is that the first time I saw it, I was thinking to myself, there were moments where I didn't know where anyone was. And I was like, why? Like we would pick up later on. I would be like, well, where is Hulk right now? Where's Thor right now? I have no idea until they show you a scene with them again. And when I was thinking about this going into the second time, trying to think about why that was and trying to break down the scenes in terms of where people were and, and showing you. And I noticed that his editing style was like like someone would, for example, the helicarrier scene and everything that happens on that. When Hulk yeah. flies off and he grabs the guy in the um, fighter pilot and you know throws him out that moment, uh, Hulk continues like flying through the air. Well, he cuts as he's flying through the air and you never see him land. So you have no idea where he is. And then I noticed the same thing happened like two minutes later with Thor. Is he falls out, he crashes to the ground from that uh, like steel tube he's in. And then it shows him sort of like flying through the air and then it cuts. And then you just yeah. never know where he is again. And I was thinking about that like multiple times throughout the movie. There would be those moments where something would be happening. And instead of showing you anything else, it would cut and continue. And I think that sort of speaks to what you guys were saying about just how there's almost like feels like there's scenes missing. Like it was condensed so much that you feel like you're missing moments where you almost aren't missing them later because you're so happy enjoying Hulk smash people. But when you when you think <laughs> about the character like the dynamic of the character and how they're building up his arc, you're, you're starting to question like, oh, well, where was this moment? And I think the Hulk is the right. example of the biggest piece of that missing. Probably so. Yeah, I, having only seen it once, I didn't notice that, yeah. but I can, I can totally... I mean, what, I think the original cut, the first cut was three hours, right? So yeah, I, I would think love to see probably going to yeah. get an I'd extended version on the release. Yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, you know, like I, and I tweeted out, this is the first movie I've actually wanted to go back to a theater to watch since Return of the King. I mean, that's a long time. <laughs> wow. uh, I mean, there's others that I kind of wanted to, but I just never got around to it. And plus, since the, you know, the cycle between theater release and Blu-ray release is so short now, it's just like, eh, I'll just that's wait a month and I'll just watch it. You know, but this one, I'm like, I really want to go and see this again. Now, and, and I'll add a a little caveat to that, partly because the sound was so terrible. I mean, it was you know the first problem was I didn't I don't typically go see 3D, but they mismarked it on the on the schedule. So when I got there, it's like oh this is 3D. I'm like well I'm not paying extra. They're like no no no, it, we just it was our fault. I'm like cool, give me the glasses. <laughs> so I went and I was wearing my glasses. Normally if I do go see 3D, I wear my contacts. So I have my stupid glasses on. I'm like no, how's this gonna work? But it actually worked fine. But here's the deal. They do the trailers, all the trailers in 3D. Looks great, sounds great. The movie starts and the volume drops by half. Um, I was like, wait a minute. I can hear the kid chewing popcorn next to me. This is not going to work. And the volume was so low that, I mean, it just, I almost left. It was yeah. that low. 
And but eventually I got used to it. I'm like, okay, it's fine. But so that that's one reason I want to go back. But second reason is because of the movie itself, and I'm because the you know the Josh Whedon, the way he writes and, and the way he directs, there's so much crosstalk and wittiness. You know, very quickly, you know, people are laughing and you can't even hear the joke to the joke. You know that someone comes back with because people are laughing, and I'm like, oh, I wanted to hear that. Uh, so I bet there's a lot in there. Um, screenplay wise that I missed simply because you just can't hear it all I hear a lot of people so I really want to go back no I was, I was gonna agree with you because I hear a lot of people talk about how they miss like the lines after jokes like a joke will happen yeah. and everyone's laughing and then you can't even hear what they're saying and you miss it yeah yeah especially with Tony Stark because he's always shooting something off <laughs> he had so many lines in a row. <laughs> I mean it really was kind of Tony Stark focused kind of I felt yeah, um, from the trailers, and I suppose I extrapolated this myself when Silvestri was picked for the score. I was, I was, um, I, I was expecting and sort of worrying that they would make Captain America the the focus of the film, which I thought wasn't going to be my cup of tea because personally, I think yeah. he's the most boring of. <laughs> he he is kind of. He, I mean, he's the he's the most he's the most two dimensional of the Marvel characters, but I'm glad that wasn't the case. They, I mean, he yeah. had just enough. I was gonna say honestly, like Captain America in the film is one of my favorite characters, and not characters, really? not characters, more uh, I guess performances. I'll just say, like okay. everyone else was just wisecracking the whole time, and then yeah. Captain America hears the like one and only guy who's just serious because <laughs> he and, sort of because he didn't get any of the yeah, jokes. Yeah, he got the shot of the water. <laughs> Although I, I actually yeah. that's that just reminded me that another thing that I that a very small nitpick was that Thor's fish out of water shtick from his movie was completely dropped for this he yeah. seemed fine with all the modern yeah. technology now and captain america yeah. wasn't well he is a demigod he should be able to adjust <laughs> we didn't too, do too well in four well i mean he just started he's i don't know how much time has passed here but you know he should be able to adjust to us lower beings in our humor um now i will say let me back the truck up a little bit i I didn't think I was going to like Hawkeye. I thought because his part in Thor was like small, of course, but that didn't make me want to see more of him. But he was pretty freaking awesome. I liked I mean, Hawkeye. He did in some this. pretty amazing things. He was cool. Um, I, yeah, I thought I, I liked him being there, and I liked Black Widow as well. I liked her opening scene was was amazing. I mean, I I love that it wasn't about it wasn't just about her being able to beat everybody up in the room. But just the just the smartness of it, and so I'm glad they had these mere mortals um, commingled with the immortals. Uh, it, it it I think that made Joss Whedon's job a lot harder. It's like okay, you've got these fantastic people, and then you've got these above average people, um, and I've got to tell all their stories simultaneously. And I, and I think other than the one scene where she gets boosted up and grabs hold of that one of those chariot things, that was the only one I was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just that one I didn't go with, but other than that, I, I like them being in the film. Yeah, I think Jeremy Renner has finally convinced me because when I first when I when I saw him in uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, at first I was like, eh, I don't know if he can pull off be, being the focus of an action movie because they seem to be sort of indicating that he was gonna that they were gonna pass the MI yeah. torch to him, and that at yeah. first I was like, eh, I'm not so sure, but. After seeing him as Hawkeye in this, I think he might not do too badly. I'm way more excited to see him in uh, Born. He looks better in that, honestly. <laughs> that too. That too. Yeah. I think he can. He can. Yeah. He, as a leading guy, he doesn't. He doesn't do much for me. I think he was. He was fine in this. Um, 
I think he pulled it off pretty well. We'll, we'll see. We'll That's see. all I could think of the whole time when he was on his Mission Impossible. Once again, I thought he was oh, really? entirely pointless. Yeah. Hmm. I just, yeah. I just doesn't do it for me, really. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think he was, he was pretty amazing with the. No, with I his can't remember arrowing? anything cool apart from when he, he used the arrow and exploded. Hmm. Okay. Uh, maybe you see it again. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I think he did some cool stuff. I mean, some he stuff did. that I wasn't. Uh, that I wasn't anticipating. Like, I mean, oh, okay. spoilers, but I I did like the part where he was um, brainwashed by Loki and was ac- he was actually quite you know he was causing he was some problems just... for the Avengers, which proved that yeah. he could yeah I like that too that he could you know match at least I had no face idea that them. was coming yeah yeah I had no idea that was coming I was like oh he's on the bad side cool you know that that was a nice twist that did not expect yeah and that that was a, that was a good way I mean he you know he was he was a thorn in their side he was actually a threat. And that proved that he was yeah. able to stand up to any one of them. Well, let's talk about Alan Silvestri's score for the Avengers, and I think this could be quite an interesting conversation. Marius, what did you think of Silvestri's score? Boring. (laughs) (laughs) Boring. Sorry, dull. Heard it before. Um, I liked. I like to hear Silvestri do the modern superhero score thing. But I've heard the modern superhero score thing so many times, I'm bloody sick of it. And I wish, I wish that if they're going to bring someone like Silvestri on, who's an insanely talented composer, that they would let him do something interesting. Something new, something a little... I mean, to be fair, I don't know what you can do with such a formulaic film. Um, But... A lot. But, you know, you can do a lot more than what he ended up having to do. So while it was kind of, you know, it worked in the film and blah, 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 the usual um, stuff, it it just, I was like, oh, it, this is such a, I, I wish that he didn't have to be so formulaic about it. And I know that that wouldn't have been his first choice. You know, listening to vintage Silvestri, um and then listening to this, you're going, okay, he's definitely not, you know, this is not a showcase of his best uh, mm-hmm. abilities. But, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not going to say I was let down by the music sort of in context, but taken on its own and taken, especially in comparison to all the other superhero scores, I was just like, oh, my God, you could have just saved some money and cut in stuff from any of the others. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. That would have been awful. That's something Lucas would do, and we don't want that. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously it would have been... We, we would really have something to talk about. We would be upset. That. We would be upset. But ask yourself honestly if you think a, a great majority of the population would have been able to notice, especially with the way it was mixed in the film. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. See, that upsets me. If you're going to bring together all of these amazingly potent identities, then why not have them have recognizable musical 
voices that we then interweave in an interesting, recognizable way in the final film. Instead of them all being generic superhero score of the month and then slightly louder generic superhero score of the year at the end. It just... I. <sighs> It feels it feels like a an easy way out and a kind of creative flatline. To be fair, I'm not sure exactly how much time Silvestri had to work on this. I, I, I don't. I think it was kind of a late thing. Not as late as Captain America, but I think it was later than it should have been. Um, other thoughts uh, about the score. Alex, what did you think? Uh, he, he, Marius hit everything I would have said. Like, he summed it up exactly in terms of how I felt about it. And I totally agree with him on, like, every point. Even right down to, I was thinking he said, like, it's borrowing from the other films. I was listening to it today, and I'm like, this sounds a lot like Captain America. Lo and behold, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> just borrowing. No, it's, it's, and it's, it's Marvel's, I feel like it's Marvel's biggest, like, their weak point, so to say. Um, in a sense of, mm. you think about Dark Knight and you think about, I mean, give or take Green Lantern, but you think about DC and you just think about like Tron and just sort of how, how films, big event films have now had their score become part of that experience. And yet we're yeah. getting these Marvel Studios films where, as he said, it's just like, they're just forgettable. They're just the same old generic score. And it's like, what, what do they need to do? What, how do they need to get some sense slapped into them to realize that, they should be caring about the score as much as the rest of the film. I don't know. Absolutely. And that's a great point. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned um, the Dark Knight and, and Tron. And although Tron isn't quite in the same category, but that yeah. kind of idea where it's a similar, you know, it's still a superhero film, still a big blockbuster. But clearly someone had a notion that maybe music is worth um, allowing some creative freedom for. So even if you're not a big Zimmer fan, even if you're not, you know, blah, blah, blah you're never going to mistake that Dark Knight score and that Joker motif and any of that for a different score. You know, maybe the action material, maybe that you'll be like, oh, well, maybe it's... Da, da, da. But you know, the, the, key, the key identifying elements are recognizable, and I feel like that wasn't the case with any of these um, Marvel films, which is sad. Yeah. And let me jump in right there, because, you know, as I said, I've been kind of re-listening to all these scores and I watched the movies too to, to build up to the Avengers and I will say um, not all of them but I will say I, the very first Iron Man had a very distinct um, idea behind it I mean it was that it was that guitar rock edge which persona which was um, personifying or representing Tony Stark that's who he was he's a rock star uh, and True. That, even though that might have been the most thematic thing in the world I still prefer it over John Debbie's because it started to go into that adequate but kind of generic score. I agree with you. Um, the Hulk has a very iconic theme in the movie. They just don't, I mean, whenever the Hulk's around, it's just that real deep. And I love that. I was like, that's the Hulk. I, that's awesome. I love it. And it's like, here they are for the taking. Now, Thor is, you know, of course, Patrick Doyle, it's melodic, it's grand, it's this whole, you know, it just feels like, yeah, this is what, this is what music, is the music they play in Asgard. Um, that's, whether, it, I mean, it worked all right in the film, but it wasn't as iconic, but there was, there is that Thor theme. 
uh, Captain America, you know, it's just as Americana as you would expect it to be. <laughs> so they are all, they represent, I think, they represent the films fairly well. Now, are, are they Dark Knight? No, they are not. Um, but they do have those elements, at least one one element apiece that could have been brought in to uh, the Avengers, which would have been amazing. It would have been hard work. He would have needed time to do it, but it could have been done. And it would have been an amazing thing. Now, maybe most people wouldn't have even caught all that. Um, most uh, most audiences just been like, wouldn't even known that, oh, he pulled this from that. Now, he does pull Captain America theme because, well, he wrote it. <laughs> but he's the only one that gets that. And it's like, come on. Every one of these guys should have had at least a sliver of their, of their yeah. identifying motif pulled into this score. And it would have been amazing. Yes. And, I'll, yeah. and as I... As, let me just add this one more piece. I don't, I don't dislike this score. Um, it works well in the film. I could hardly hear it in the film, but when I listen to it on its own, it's very solid action, uh, suspensey kind of music. It's it's very solid. And what it's missing, it has its one grand Avengers theme, but that's all, and that's all it has to hang its hat on. So, and you don't get that until you know the latter part of the film. In terms of chronologically, you may get little uh, teases of it, but so you don't have enough. But had you had he used those motifs, he could have used them all over the place throughout that film. So by the time you get to that climactic battle scene, you know, he's doing his Williams things and he's pulling in the motifs here and there and just, you know, announcing, oh, here comes Hulk to save the day. Oh, no, here goes Iron Man to do that. And, you know, and you get the storytelling in the music. That you can't have unless you have, well, it's much more difficult to have unless you have these motifs here and there. Uh, so In the chat, sorry that, to interrupt, in the chat we've just oh. had some uh, relevant quotations from Alan Silvestri posted where he actually um, kind of talks about exactly this uh, creative decision. Uh-huh. Um, let me just... What did they say? Yeah, I've, I've, I've read, read this before, yeah. Um, he says it's that, from Film um, Music Magazine. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, he and Whedon okay. agreed that having themes for each character would be too intrusive and too clunky. Disagree. Yeah, I disagree completely, completely as well. <laughs> but that's... I, I think they just didn't have enough time, to be That honest. might be it. I mean, that's that's probably the, the reason they're saying, but it would have been amazing. I think it would have been amazing. The, when I... But I don't... Disc- I'm, let me, I'll just finish. I, I don't discount the score that we have. I mean... It just could have been so much more. It's adequate for what, it, and it's not that bad when you listen to it. It just it could have been so much more than it than it ended up being. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I when I yeah, well, it's exactly what I expected it to be, and and unfortunately, I was expecting it to be underwhelming, and that's what it is. It's just so un- unambitious is the is the word that I kept thinking during my first listen to listen to it. You know, it's just. This is Alan Silvestri pulling Alan Silvestri action out of his hat that he's I mean, if it had been presented as like extra unused music from G.I. Joe, the A team and Captain America, I would not oh, have been surprised on. at all. Oh. I mean he, he, he even he even pulls a couple of motifs from the A team, I noticed, during the final action scenes. I mean there there's there he he pulls a few bars with the tank flying cue from A team. And and throws mm. them into the Avengers, and I was just like, "Really?" 
Yeah. Hmm. I mean, he's basically Richard, been writing the same score for the last three years, four years. I, I don't. I don't think it sounds. I mean, there's obviously similar similarities to Captain America, but I don't think it sounds like Captain America. Captain America was a bit fresher sounding. I thought that was sort of of the four action scores he's done in the last few years. That was the probably the best and the biggest sounding. That's another thing I thought about the Avengers. It felt the score felt smaller than the film. Mm, I disagree. Even, I mean, even though it's I mean, big it's... and brassy, but it just didn't feel big and brassy any more so than any of his other scores. It wasn't yeah, Judge Dredd yeah. sized. Yeah, I guess. I guess I, it, it feels. If I mean, it didn't feel in context big because I couldn't hear it. But when I listened to it on its own, it's pretty freaking big. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's bold. Even, even even that Avengers, even the the new Avengers theme he wrote, it's it's fine, it's memorable, but it. I mean, it's no Judge Dredd theme. It's certainly <laughs> no Back to the Future theme, and it's not even as good as the full Captain America march, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think there's some pretty powerful stuff in there. I mean, it's just that it doesn't have that thematic hook that that really pulls your the emotion into it. It's the action part is there and the adrenaline is there. It's just like, but I need some character in the music to hang my hat on, and it's not there. That that's what I feel is missing. I think that's the best word for it. It's it's character. It's not necessarily a theme that's lacking. It's not the energy. It's just not distinctive. No. Yeah. It sounds like and certainly not distinctively Avengers. It doesn't sound like a, a culmination of all of this other stuff coming in. It feels like the same yeah. kind of thing that could have gone for each one of the individual films. So, yeah. 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 Not a bad listen on album by any stretch if if people are getting the the wrong no. impression about my feelings. It's just given given the the film that it's attached to and given the um I guess the lead up to it. I just it's unambitious. Yeah, it's uh, it's unambitious. Yeah, I I, I was hoping it's, for more, especially from someone of his talent for a movie that's ambitious fun. I mean, I wanted an ambitiously fun score, something like an Indiana Jones score, maybe. Yeah, something with yeah. that sort of energy and and that sort of character. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did too. To be honest, I I did too. Um, it's just that. You know, I, I heard the score before I saw the movie. I saw the movie. I didn't hear the score in the movie. But then when I came out and listened to it again, I said, like, you know, I this is a this is a solid score. And I, I'm betting when I get to see it on Blu-ray in my own home theater, I'm going to be like, dang, this is a powerful score because I didn't hear it. Um, but, Richard, you've been quiet. What What are your thoughts about this? Uh, the greatest positive I got from it was it improved my opinion of the individual scores from each film. So why? Um, because they're because it was by just comparison. really boring score. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see. By because comparison. because by comparison, the other <laughs> film, the other adventure scores actually have an identity. Yeah, exactly. But wait, you said it improved oh, my I opinion of the others. Okay, improved. Yeah. Um, like Captain America, uh, I didn't okay. really like that originally but having listened to it a bit more it's quite fun uh the avengers i like the main theme quite a lot but otherwise i mean i just listen to the last track every time i listen to that score it's just the last track i don't bother with the rest anymore yeah um, the last track is definitely yeah. the best of the yeah. avengers hmm. Interesting. um and thinking back i guess yeah, i prefer all of them iron man one iron man two thor every one of them i think is superior in every every way really? as well i th- 
think on Iron Man two. I yeah. think on album, I prefer uh, Avengers to Iron Man one because that wasn't really. It, I just didn't really. The style didn't really gel with me that much. But other than that, I would put all the other Avengers scores, including Iron Man two, above Avengers. Wow, wow, yeah, that's that's. I, I couldn't. I can't put Iron Man two that high. I mean, it's not bad. It's it's even more generic than the Avengers, in my opinion. Um, and Craig Armstrong just does not get enough love, nope. in my opinion. And neither does the Incredible Hulk as a film. People don't seem to think it was very good. That's my and that's I, my pick of the bunch for the Marvel scores. Is Craig Armstrong and his Hulk theme? Yeah, yeah. Rich, Richard, you said something. I was too. just I don't didn't really like the film much. Hmm. I thought it was just too much. Oh, everybody wants to see Hulk smash stuff. They don't actually care about the character. That's how I felt. So, but I like I like hmm. the Angley one much much more. Oh yeah. yeah, you've said that before. I still don't get it's that. But the, the Hulk is. <laughs> I've said it multiple the Hulk times. Is a really interesting character, and I think they actually tried to show that in that film. Whereas obviously everybody hated it, and they're like, "Oh, he doesn't do enough smashing," so they got what they wanted in the next one. But right. I think they lose right. a bit of the character. Hmm. Well, interesting. Um, well, any any final thoughts about the score? I have one. Do last you thing think like that there, but... it would have been better if one composer had handled all of the Marvel Marvel films? I don't know if one could. Yeah, that's a huge task. I mean, especially with three coming out. Was it three last year? It was two. It was Captain and Thor. Yeah, and Thor. And Iron Man two, right? No, that was with a year before. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought there was three in one year, for some, for some and, reason. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, well, that kind of segues into what I, my last thing was going to be, and and that would be the only way that something like that could be done. Not the only way, but one way. Um, and people are going to hate hearing me say this, uh, but if you had the remote control team, you already had Ramin Javadi doing the first one. If you had that team scattered throughout and you let Hans take the Avengers with the whole team, of course, who was who always worked together anyway, you could have had something pretty freaking amazing, I think. <laughs> I like let Hans do anything, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, the potential really? of that would have been pretty – now, come on. Now, I'm sure you're going to crack up me and say Steve Jablonski wrote Thor anyway, didn't he? No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> now, do you say that the Dark Knight is? Not, do you not like the Dark Knight? I score? like the Dark Knight as a score, not so much as an album. But I think I don't know. I think that the number of remote control composers who are talented enough to handle a film like this is limited. To be honest, unless you're talking someone like John Powell, in which case, yes, John Powell should have had, had all of them. To be honest. Yeah, I, 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 you might be right. Maybe there isn't enough for one per, but the the idea of having okay, Ramin, you've got Iron Man, so that's two. Um, I don't know. Pick one for Thor. Pick one for Captain America. But who, which remote control composer writes Americana? Well, can you think of any? Mm, no, they don't do those types. Exactly. Of so how would they handle Captain America? I mean, I don't hear anyone jumping up and down about how great Alan Silvestri was for Captain America, other than myself. I, I love that score. I thought he was solid on that one. I thought he was a good choice yeah, for okay. that. 
I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard too many. I mean, Richard kind of says he's it's growing on him. Yeah, but I don't know. No one's that, really been like it's getting. Yeah, kind of see, that's just it. So it's like, what's the big deal? <laughs> Obviously, people don't want Americana. I love Americana type scores. Yeah, but I which remote control well. composer outside of maybe Mark Mancina would have been able to provide that? Well, they're pretty talented I think guys. They might let surprise me. Let us. me just sort of briefly interject here and defend my my uh, colleagues against some stereotyping. Um, I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't jump too quickly to judge what they are and aren't good at just based on what they've had an opportunity to work on in the public That's eye. That's true. Because I mean, if you... let, me, let me tell you that every single person in that remote control building is extremely talented in one way or another and whether or not they've actually had an opportunity to be recognized by the rest of us for their particular individual talents is really tough. I mean, it's, it's such a... The way that people look at Zimmer's Enterprise there is uh, often with a very jaded eye, but we have to remember that it's not like any asshole could um, just walk in there from the street and be like, <laughs> yeah, okay, but that's, but you've, you've put your finger on the problem, and that's that they're not allowed to they're not usually allowed to express their natural voices to the extent that one might hope that they could. They're usually... When you hire someone from the Zimmer house, you tell them to sound as much like Zimmer as they can. I agree that's with you, and that's, that's unfortunate. And that's all why, I was, yeah, all I was pointing out was that it's not fair to say like, oh well, they can't do Americana because you know we don't we don't know. Yeah, that's. I mean, but if you if you hire Steve Jablonski to write a hundred million dollar film, he's not the the producers are not going to let him write Steam Boy, as amazing as that would be. They're going to make him write Transformers. Yeah, that's true, and sad, and true. Not to be cynical, but. So the but the idea though I think that I think that what I when that kind of idea popped in my head is it and that would have been amazing, um, and, and capping it off with with Zimmer knowing that other people are going to be on with him doing the Avengers, I mean if you want it to be something unique you don't want it to be the Dark Knight you want it to be its own thing and you can at least say that that none of these scores sound like the Dark Knight They're, they they are they are totally separate and there's a totally separate vibe with them. Um, but I think something like that would have been amazing. It would have made a lot of people mad, but I think you would have had a much more mm, detailed and layered sort of experience musically from one movie to the next culminating in, in the Provided event. they're allowed to breathe. Um, yeah, given, given the... That's a yeah, big provided. Yeah, assuming that the creative direction is open to that, I think it would have been a successful um, approach, but... Just given the climate of how this kind of stuff usually works out, yeah. I mean, even, well, so what even if, Patrick Doyle had to sound did, a bit like Simmer on his. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't think that the fanfare stuff was not Zimmer. That's Doyle. no. I mean, like the Thor kills the Destroyer track, but the, I don't know. There, there. He he put some ostinatos in there and some electronics that you wouldn't normally hear out of a Doyle. Yeah, and I mean what. He's not gonna do. He's not gonna do Hamlet. I mean, he he can't it is Kenneth do that Branagh. For, it is I, true, but you know, the score is gonna be a little yeah. different. And it is contemporary, yeah. so you know, and we know Patrick Doyle can do contemporary when he wants to. Mm. Um, so you know, so what if he did? Would you have? Would you rather have what you have now with the 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 scores we have, or remote control doing remote control from Iron Man one? Through the Avengers, which would you rather have? Remote control doing 
Remote control or remote control doing? <laughs> no, remote control doing remote control. Well, if we're, if we're talking something nice and thematic like the first Transformer score, then I would have welcomed that as long as it fits. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, what if they had all ended? What if they all ended up sounding similar? Maybe they would have. That's that's the question I'm asking. Yeah, just like the thing we actually got. <laughs> See, that's my that's my thing. I think I think I would be okay with that if for no other reason than if someone were to ask me today um, if there are any desert island scores among these recent Marvel films. For me, I would say no. Um, but if no, the Zimmer no. team would have been on then I could say that I'd be reasonably certain at least one of them would have some material that I would find really awesome and, you know, would take onto the desert island with me. It might not be all of them. It might not be, you know, but those guys really know how to put music to picture. And even if you're not necessarily a fan of the style or it doesn't necessarily sound that pretty on album, like, uh, you know, The Dark Knight, uh, it really, really works with the film, and it's unique to that film. So I yeah. wouldn't have been yeah. like I, I can't say that it would have necessarily been all around better than what we ended up with, but uh, I wouldn't be upset if that had been the approach they took. Okay, all right, Alex, what do you think? Which would you rather have? Ah, uh, you know, I love Zimmer, so I, of course I would go for that arrangement. But I was—I mean, I was intrigued by this discussion because I was going to almost ask you guys what. Who who else would have done a good Avengers score? Like I was trying to think about John Powell, Sylvestri, or no? That's no, honestly, that's a good choice. Like I, his X Men score is fantastic. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 but that's what I'm saying. Like, who else, without going to the dream picks, would have given us something great? John Powell is a good example. John Powell is realistically one of the best choices. I mean, obviously, you can say Joel McNeely, but what's, what's the odds? (laughs) <laughs> now, to me, I don't even care who the compo- – I mean, I care to some degree. It was – I had an idea in my head that I was hoping for, and that was that they would utilize the music, as I said already. That was already established, whether it was Silvestri, Zimmer, Horner, Williams, or Joe Composer. Hey, there is a Joe Composer. Um, that was what I was wanting to get out of this. Uh, more than anything, and but didn't get. Maybe it. their music department needs to be more ambitious next time, <laughs> and understand yeah. that everything about this movie should be five movies leading up and coming together, including the score. Yeah. Scores never well, felt they, like they, they were leading anywhere. Yes, and, and that leaves them room to imp- now. If you were going to get any of that, you would have thought Iron Man would have been the place where they could show we are building, but they went a whole different direction. Um, and so that told you right there, Hey, we're not looking to build continuity. <laughs> so there's room to improve. I just think it's interesting uh, that they take so much painstaking care to build continuity in every department other than the music. Yeah. Did you say, did you say continuity? Continuity. <laughs> oh, continuity. Okay. Let's keep things clean. I, I missed I miss the continuity. <laughs> there was not enough effort in that department. <laughs> That's another point. I'm glad that word came up. Not that there was new. But here's what the Avengers lacked that all of the other ones prior to contained. Do you know what I'm going to say? Not nudity. Do you know what I'm going to say? <laughs> Love interest. Exactly right. 
There was no love interest. Pepper, Pepper it Potts. Was, it, she was in there for <laughs> five seconds. minutes. Natalie Portman got a one line right off. Natalie Portman. But but so that's what sets this apart. This is you're not going to have the balance if you thought the other scores were balanced, which they're more balanced than this one. This is just all action and suspense and grind and punch and smash. There's there's nothing to balance that out. And I realized that much, you know, sometime this weekend. I oh yeah, there was no there's no female. It's it's just bro time. And black. And so that's all you've got. And, well, she's but yeah, she didn't love anybody. She kills everybody. No, oh, you know uh, what? I think there was some of... implied chemistry there between her and um, Robin Hood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's Legolas. true. That's true, I guess. But I mean, implied is not enough to give you a theme, is it? Well, no, but Definitely I mean, you can't unless... have everyone hooking up. I mean, that would just be bizarre if they had to bring in. You know. No, no, I, I know. I mean, it's just not a film that lent itself to that. And there really was no nothing of any substance there that would that would give you the opportunity, yeah. Yeah. you know, to to do that. And, and that's a significant thing, I think, too, because when you listen to the score, it's just all, as I said, punch, grind, explode. You know, the, that's all it is, because that's what the film is. Unless you have friendship themes, you know, uh, <laughs> it's just not, there's just not much going. I mean, there there are relationships there, like. Who was someone you were talking about? Um, Bruce Banner and Tony Stark. That was I liked their interplay. Their kind of nerdy, intelligent conversation. Yeah, and a sort of veiled movie. mutual respect there. That was that was cool. Yeah. I liked that. I mean, you could have done something there, and then if they fought later, you could have brought that but, back and made it all aggressive. You know. I mean, just give each character a theme that sounds distinct, and that would have already. And they had that. They had that. Yeah, already. he didn't use it. No. And you could start a whole debate about you know how successful can composers be adapting other composers' themes. True, <laughs> that's true. Especially that many of they them. They can do just fine. Someone like Silvestri can do just fine. You're probably right. Probably right. All right. All right. Well, so what's next then? I mean, as we wrap this up, you know, the, when I left the, the theater, I'm like, man, that was awesome. I can't wait to see it again. But then I started thinking about Iron Man three, um, the little tease. They put in in the film. For those of you who are listening, could be spoiler here, but I won't talk about what that scene was. the The question in my head was, where do they? How can you? How can you do a follow up to the Avengers with these individual characters again? I mean, what do you guys think about that? It's a good question. I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm more intrigued to see what um, what's his name? Who are the directors taking over Iron Man three? I forget his name right now. Uh, Shane Black. Shame. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh-huh. I'm curious to see what he brings to it, and maybe that's maybe this is good they have him because he'll he'll differentiate things. Because I was even thinking like he's not going to do a conventional score. There's no way, but like, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not even his choice, as we've seem seemingly discovered through this discussion. But yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts? What what? How do they how do they go on from here? Musically, well, movies and musically. Yeah. I got an idea musically, for the movie. Yeah, they do. they do the exact same thing, For... but they change the color of the aliens. They bring in a new character from the Marvel canon that we're not expecting. They kill one of the existing ones. They make everything louder and a little bit longer. <laughs> and, and, and they, they hire to go. Alan Sylvester you... to write the exact same score again. Do you, are you working for Hollywood? Now? Oh, I will be. <laughs> I'm getting calls already. I think they could. Like, where did you get our ideas? From? Someone leaked them. 
They should take uh, the yeah, Avengers. I truly to... hope I'm wrong. By the way, I'm just. <laughs> they sh- I think they should. They could. They should take the Avengers to Asgard. Something like that. That'd <laughs> yeah, be fun. Why not? <laughs> the Avengers. In... I don't so take them to can fight I the say this? I don't like Asgard. I don't like the way they designed Asgard. It just. I'll but just at least they wouldn't be fighting in a we'll... city at the end. They'll be fighting in the big Asgardian city. Fine, have them fight on some. Have them fight on the ice planet on asteroids. On asteroids, it'll be like Angry Birds space. They'll just fling each other around. <laughs> That's what Hulk would do anyway. Hulk and Thor with, with his. With his uh... Oh, by the way, the scene where. Oh, sorry, that's spoiler. I'll say, <laughs> I'll say it after we when we close the official podcast. It was awesome. There's yeah. one. There was one. There was one moment that I absolutely. There was a bunch of moments, but there's one moment I haven't talked about that I absolutely loved. Uh, any final thoughts on the Avengers, the score, or where they go from here, or how they possibly do it? I don't see how they can do it without Joss Whedon. Let me just say that. And let me just say I'm very glad that Favreau left the Avengers project <laughs> and Whedon Ouch. came in. I'm ecstatic yeah. about that. I, I, just hope, I just hope Marvel Studios listens to this podcast and Kevin Feige says, damn it, you know what? These guys are right. We need to work on our score, and uh, they start improving from here on out. Well, we'll leave that to you. <laughs> send them to your contacts over there, and we don't even we don't we don't want any credits. We just want the end yeah. We results. just want a good. No, stuff. skip that. We want credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you make a lot of money. <laughs> Music supervisors, all of us, we can do that. Um, all right. Well, I think if that's if if you've got it all out of your system, has everyone got everything they wanted to say out of their system? Yeah. yeah Pretty I much. Think so. All right. Very good. Well, we want to thank everyone that's participated in the chat room. I've been keeping one eye on it, seeing some good, interesting conversation going there. Chat room people, would you like us to do a chat, uh, a live thing again so you guys can yell at each other some more and yell at us? <laughs> yeah, and bring more friends. You guys are outmatched today. <laughs> Swing. Swing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got to do something, right? How do you recover from Cowboys and Aliens? Oh, God. Swingers 2. <laughs> Swingers 2 is how you Favre recover. brought his complete lack of fun from Cowboys and Aliens <laughs> 2. But how do you do Iron Man and then do Cowboys and Aliens? Something's not something's not right there. Not one Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, Game of Thrones. Sorry. sorry. We, you know, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I didn't know that. Yeah, this is a special night. We normally do it during the week. So we will do this again then. It sounds like some people would like for us to do that. So we'll make it make it well known in advance as much as possible when Season we're going to do. Now the chat room's warming up. Now they're just starting to go for it, which I like. Um, well, Alex, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, where can people... Uh, follow, find, read all the great stuff you have. Uh, as always, it's at firstshowing.net or uh, at firstshowing on Twitter. And thank you again for having me on. I always love coming to talk about scores with you guys. Awesome. My pleasure. We, we need to have you when Prometheus comes out. We'll <laughs> yes. do some alien, alien Prometheus you got to bring Sasha in for that one, too. Uh, oh, that's true. But he can't talk about other people's work. <laughs> so that <laughs> limits him. Although he does anyway. Um, that's a good point, though. We'll have him for that. He's, I know he's looking forward to that. Um, Marius, where can people follow him? Ah, everywhere, really. Just Google me. But um, Twitter is at uh, Mathazar. So. Awesome. And when's that? When's your game coming out? Uh, well, my game or the game I'm working on. Um, Star Command is out uh, toward the end of the summer. Um, and you can kind of keep up with news at uh, StarCommandGame.com. It's probably the best place for it. Very good. Awesome. 
Edmund, how can people find and follow you? At Edmund Meinertz on Twitter, or just search for Edmund Meinertz on Facebook, and you'll find me. Very good. Richard, what about you? Uh, at Monkey Butlerman on Twitter. I heard he's in, he's in the next Avengers movie. Uh, yeah. Add one more character, Monkey Butlerman. <laughs> you heard it from me first. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the Aquaman movie to come out. <laughs> oh, no, no. Don't even think. Who's going to get to score that? Don't even. Although, although, you know, you know, somebody is thinking about uh, Justice League now. They saw 200 million this week and they said, you know what? We're figuring out. A, I was thinking that too, League yeah. One way or another. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. It's going to be with different actors, but because nobody can work with Christian Bale anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what that means uh, is that they're going to reboot Batman in two years. Yeah, why not? They're already rebooted no. Spider Man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, as soon as it's over, they're going to be yeah. rebooting. They should reboot it's Thor just, next you year. Can't, that needs a reboot. <laughs> you can't, you can't match the Nolan films now. I know. That's going to be their problem. No, you can't, but they're going I don't to. see how it can happen. They'll be. Schumacher. Give it, a, give, it, give it a decade, <laughs> and they'll be doing it. But you know, Justice League is coming. It's just, it's, just write it down right now. Within five years, there will be a Justice League movie. You heard it here first, first folks. All right, well, you can follow us at Track Sounds on Twitter. Of course, you can email us, soundcasttracksounds.com. If I knew what our um, voicemail number was off the top of my head, I would be saying that right now, but I don't remember, and I didn't write it down. So you can't voicemail us from listening to this show, but if you listen to any of the other ones or go to our site, you can find it there. Of course, we love to hear from you. Let us know what you thought about the Avengers, the movie or the score, and all of that. We want to get your reaction and see what you thought. So, that's going to do it for episode 46. I want to thank all of you for listening and participating. And we look forward to our next episode. Um, well, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about yet, but something interesting, I'm sure. So, until then, we all ask you to stay tuned.